Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. pleasure to bring you this radio show each and every week where we interview the top authors, musicians, just people that are on the front lines of working with the mind, the body, and the spirit, helping the world become a better place. So it's an eclectic uh, radio show. We, we reach people from all over the world, and you know we're working with a lot of European and Canadian authors now, and it's just a blessing to just hear all of the work that is being done globally and how we're all so interconnected. Thank you, Internet. Okay, so I'm just going to do a few announcements, and then I will bring my guest on. And the announcements are Spirit Seeker is doing its first crystal mining adventure in Arkansas. The dates are September 6th through 8th, although some people are arriving early on the 5th because there are wonderful uh, underground spring-fed bathhouses that have been there for a long, long time in Arkansas. So if you've ever had the desire to go crystal mining, this is the time to do it. It's a fun group, and we're joining with another local group, uh, with a hospice worker that I met through one of the recent conferences in St. Louis. Okay, the other thing is there are lots of different uh, other classes. There are conferences. There are just so many things. So if you just go to spiritseeker.com, click on the cover, um, then you can read all of these wonderful events. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on. I'm interviewing uh, this evening Dr. Daniel Condren, and he is He's, there's so many things. He's a teacher, an educator, a philosopher, administrator, writer, recording producer, composer, agriculturist, and ecologist. So that gives you a taste of what we're in for with this uh, wonderful background that Dr. Condren has. He has a doctorate in metaphysics from the School of Metaphysics. He has a doctorate in divinity from the School of Metaphysics. He has a Master of Science from University of Missouri-Columbia, uh, which specializes in international agricultural development. He has a Bachelor of Science and agricultural economics, and he continues to learn and learn because um, he's been a lot involved in a lot of different projects. Um, but Dr. Condren, you know, enough of me talking. Please uh, welcome to the call. Thank you for having me on your show, and I'm really glad to be here, and uh, looking forward to uh, this time we have together. Great. And, you know, I, um, I first met you indirectly through one of your books, Permanent Healing, uh, which includes the quantum mechanics of healing. And yeah. this is one of my favorite all-time books. And, Thank you. Um, I, I just, you know, I always, you know, love Louise Hay's book and still do. I still, you know, but I'll tell you what, they're side by side and on my bookshelf. And whenever I have a situation, um, I just I just go to your book. It's it's phenomenal, and so when I when I heard about the workshop that you were bringing to St. Louis, and I was like, I know that name, I know that the, you know, I didn't know he did this other work. <laughs> so, right. yeah, so you you have done a lot. You've been involved with uh, the Peace Dome on the College of Metaphysics campus. Um, okay. You've you've worked with working with the discoverer and developer of the sacred ley lines of the 1,500-acre College of Metaphysics campus. And, you know, I'm a feng shui consultant that also works with, um, you know, biobiology, which works with all the energy grids and ley lines, et cetera. So I didn't even, I was like, I mean, I can't even imagine what that has been like. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's been a process, but it, it has been fun because we've got 1,500 acres on this campus in southwest Missouri, about uh, 55 miles north and east of Springfield, Missouri, and we get to play and have fun and learn and be spiritual and uh, educate students. They come in here for full-time residency, so it's a great life. It's a great wow. life here. Well, and you're working with ecology, which is your background, and feeding and healing Mother Earth and, you know, connecting people in such a different way, um, you know, to the earth-based, you know, wisdom, shall we say. And then um, and then you you're also have, have been working and are still working with uh, discoverer and developer of the universal language of mind as it applies to holy books and dreams. Right. In addition to writing permanent healing, uh, I've been, uh, worked with a lot of... Um, Holy books, uh, kind of like Joseph Campbell did, where he did a, a lot of you know interpretations or explanations of what all these mythologies meant. Well, I took like the Book of Matthew out of the Bible, the Book of Revelation out of the Bible, but I also took the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali or Patanjali, and I took the, and I interpreted and explained them. Uh, the Tao Te Ching from China, I interpreted, explained the uh, the Dhammapada uh, sayings of Buddha. I did the same thing with, and now I'm working on the Bhagavad Gita. So I just kind of went around the world and took these holy books and uh, explain them according to universal laws, universal truths, universal principles, universal language of mind, um, even quantum mechanics. Because as you mentioned in my book, Permanent Healing, um, I have a section on there called the quantum mechanics of healing. So people that aren't so uh, metaphysically minded could approach that book about thought is cause and attitudes that affect physical disorder from more of a scientific point of view from quantum mechanics, and so that way it appealed to a wider audience, I thought, and which has been proved true. It's been through five or six printings now. It just came through another printing and issues by health professionals around the world, I suppose, and certainly throughout the United States, chiropractors, naturopaths, different people, and um, uh, massage people, everything. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very useful book. You know, there's there's a permanent healing is, is one of those those books that you can use over and over again. Some books oh. you read it, okay, that was nice, set it on your shelf or give it to a friend or sell it or throw it away. But this is a book that people just keep around forever because they can always, it's a reference book is what it is. Oh, I know. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, I mean, you know, so listeners, if you're saying, what are they talking about? Um, Dr. Condren uh, has done research and has uh, looked at the physical disorder in the body, what mental attitude disorder um, was going on that in most cases, or in many cases, you know, created that dis order or dis-ease in the body, and then he has a whole section, suggestions for improvement. So, you know, uh, there's something for everything in, in here, and so when you're working with the, the mind, body, and the spirit from every angle, then, you know, then it's no longer, you're at the effect of something, you're like, okay, I'm taking some uh, some responsibility for the co-creation on some level, because whenever something's there, it's there for a reason to teach us, unless we resist. That's right. It's basically taking the... What's called the the universal truth is a universal truth, which I think is the main universal truth, which says basically thought is cause and effect is its manifest likeness. Or in other words, what we think tends to manifest in our life around us in one way or another. We don't always see that because it may manifest a day later, a week later, a month later, a year later than we've had the thoughts. But over time, our thoughts tend to manifest and we create our world or we we make choices and decisions based on our thoughts and those choices and decisions lead us to certain people and through the law of attraction we're attracted to certain people or they're attracted to us or jobs and things and so you know that's why we have a different life than our brothers or sisters or other members of our family or other people we create our own lives and 
And it's the same way we create our own lives outwardly through the law of attraction and other universal laws, through also the universal law of cause and effect, uh, and through the, the universal truth that explains that law of cause and effect is thought is cause, uh, we tend to uh, create our life in our physical body. Our physical body is our most closest outer environment to the soul or this inner subconscious mind. In other words, it's the first outer environment. People don't recognize this, but the physical body is the first outer environment for the real inner self. And then from the outer environment of our physical body comes our aura or energy field and then our house, car, where we live, who we interact with, and all in the physical world. So it just it just explains that book, Permanent Healing, is over 500 different, not just disorders and diseases, but body areas and body parts because <laughs> it seems like there's new attitudes or new disorders and diseases being invented <laughs> or named every week. So, so uh, you know, that, that list could go on forever. But by covering some of the major ones and then also covering the major areas of the body, for example, shoulders, uh, you know, knees and those things, uh, even if you even if there's a new disease uh, named, uh, people could just go to that area of the body, find the disorder, and look it up and see the attitude that with suggestions for possibly uh, aiding that person to healing or just to understand uh, having a starting point of understanding why they even have a disorder that order and disease in the first place. Right. You know, it's, it's fabulous. It's a fabulous book. So, you know, when I saw the other work that you're doing, I'm like, oh, here we go. And, you know, <laughs> we're going to – I want to just mention um, how involved you've been with the School of Metaphysics. Um, I mean, because you came from a scientific agricultural background. I mean, Yeah, I've got a, not only a bachelor's degree, but a master's degree in agricultural economics. My area of specialization from a master's degree was international agriculture development. I spent four months in Peru, South America – collecting data for my master's thesis. I uh, learned I was going to go to South America uh, one semester before I left, so about four, four and a half months before I left. I hadn't had any Spanish, so I went to the language lab, listened to all the tapes. I audited a one Spanish class, and I practiced with the people in my department, went down there, kept learning, learned learned to read a newspaper, learned to speak the language, brought the, much of the data back, not all the data. Some of it I collected myself, but some of it was from uh, – uh, all the available material uh, knowledge in that area that was already in books or whatever, and I and that was in Spanish. I came back, I translated it into English myself, and presented it for my master's thesis. So um, <laughs> there's a lot oh. to do in a short length of time. While I was there, I also took ten days off and went to Machu Picchu, Los oh. Incas, Cusco, capital city Incas, Nazca Plains, and saw all those great spiritual sites. And I had a lot of spiritual experiences. And in fact, that was my first out of body experience where. One night I was laying in bed and I'd just gone to sleep or was maybe that in-between state and I big golden pinkish ball of light and a big vibration came out of my chest and whoosh, I found I was looking up on the ceiling looking down at my physical body. And that was when I was in Peru, South America, so I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. But at that point forward from that, at a young age, master's degree, I knew I, I was not a physical body. I find people sometimes talk about this when they've been on an operating table and they were pronounced dead and then they're, then they're up on the ceiling looking down at the operation. They come back. But I didn't have to have a physical surgery or, or a, a death experience. I had it I had it without that, through spiritual means. And, and so it had a great power and it's had, had an effect on my whole adult life. Well, you were right there with the Peruvian, you know, energy and you were ready. Right. Right. Yeah, and, it's, and I it's came amazing. back and, and uh, to University of Missouri, Columbia, and started getting in, interested in metaphysical ideas, and have, haven't uh, turned back. Ever, I just kept on ever since, and so my whole life has been dedicated to knowing the self, knowing creation, knowing the purpose of life, 
service to others and uh, enlightenment and whatever, however far I can carry it and help other people carry it. And that's that's been my whole – I had a, a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, so I live right on campus. So pretty much my full life is discipline, service, and teaching. Right. You know, um, so listeners, uh, Dr. Condren has has served and continues to serve on the Board of Governors for the School of Metaphysics, and he oversees the functioning of the School of Metaphysics and its satellite campuses in 16 cities around the United States. Um, so when he's talking about he's living there, he's living there, and he's, you know, this whole tentacles of this work has has expanded, and he's he directed the School of Metaphysics in Des Moines, Iowa, St. Joseph, Missouri, and Kansas City, Missouri, before becoming the area director. He um, has been supervising four schools in Colorado, uh, two in Denver, and another in Fort Collins, and another in uh, Colorado Springs. He is the regional director of three schools in Chicago and three in the Detroit area. And so we're talking about he's all over, and um, he has also worked with with peace and he's been a major presenter at the parliament of the world's religions held in chicago illinois on their 100th anniversary of the first parliament um but let's talk about you know before we go into um this this latest work and and all the things that you're offering with the still mind quiet well we'll we'll talk i want to talk just a little bit about um what you've been doing with dream work and universal language of the mind. We touched on it. What is your – just share a little bit before we go into um, the the part about the meditation and still mind. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've written them. The School of Metaphysics has a whole uh, coursework for developing and disciplining the mind in order to use the mind to know the self, and that includes meditation, concentration, visualization, life force, breath work, pranayama, uh, Memory, uh, all kinds of mental disciplines, uh, and and one of those uh, teachings we offer is dream interpretation. We teach people how to remember their dreams and how to understand the interpretation for themselves, so that they learn how to the meaning of their own dreams and can apply it in their life immediately to improve their life. Uh, dreams are messages from one's own subconscious mind or soul, giving feedback to the conscious mind or waking mind about the previous day's consciousness in the previous day's experience. So when we go to sleep at night, if we remember our, and we dream, if we remember the dream and write it down and learn this universal language of mind, then we have the ability or opportunity to understand what our, the power of the subconscious mind uh, is giving us, and we get instant feedback every night, and so it gives us a great edge and a powerful edge in being successful and getting ahead in life, uh, knowing what our purpose is, and fulfilling that purpose. And to that end, I wrote a, a little book called Understanding Your Dreams. It was basically a primer, a beginning book, and I wrote it uh, with the idea that it would be the first book the students were assigned, the first night of classes in the School of Metaphysics, so they could take it home, read it that first week, come back and have a basic grounding, a basic foundation of dreams, what they mean, how to interpret them, how to remember them, how to use them in the life, and then uh, the teacher could give, in the classes could give further instruction as the weeks went by. And uh, uh, it's just very, very powerful. And so I've been writing dreams down, interpreting them for myself and other people for uh, many, many years now. And it's a very, very powerful and very, very useful technique. And then, of course, uh, once one learns to remember their dreams and write them down and use them, then they can progress to lucid dreaming or um, out-of-body experiences and astral projection and different things like that, too. They can just pretty much carry it however far they want. I was at the, the international. I'm a speaker at the International Association for the Study of Dreams, uh, 
which has a conference each year, and I spoke at uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia this last year, and and uh, a lot of those speakers, and some of them are psychologists and different PhDs in different areas, but they have an eclectic group of people, and, and uh, some of them are speaking about and teaching about lucid dreaming now, so it's becoming very popular too, but dream interpretation is becoming more and more popular uh, all the time. Right. Well, and you know, Virginia Beach is home to Edgar Casey's area for research and enlightenment. And, Absolutely. You know, we're just so fortunate. I mean, I, I, you know, the work that the School of Metaphysics is doing, and I want to talk about the um, the uh, life reports, uh, the, the intuitive reports, and you'll be Good. offering that in St. Louis. Um, listeners, uh, Dr. Condren will be teaching a workshop in St. Louis on September 28th, from it is from oh, 9 a.m. to 4 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and then um, and then and we're going to talk quite a bit about that with the next part of the interview. But before we do that, we're going to talk about uh, what a uh, a life report is. Okay. What the, okay so let's let life crossings, etc. So let's hear about that because this has been a good part of your work too. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned Edgar Casey and Virginia Beach, some people aren't familiar with him. So just let me talk a little bit about him. Um, Edgar Casey was a man that lived, uh, born in the late 1800s and, and lived throughout the early uh, 1900s, a little bit after World War II. And he um, was able, through being hypnotized at first, uh, to uh, found out he could, uh, words would come out of his mouth from subconscious mind, uh, universal subconscious mind, to uh, aid people in healing. And so he found he could do it for himself with, with, un, under the instruction of a conductor or a hypnotist or someone to direct him. And then he could do it for other people. And not only when they're in front of him, but his eyes were closed, he was asleep. They called him the sleeping prophet, but people that were miles away or halfway across the country. And then he found out that he could tell them about their past lives also. And this is by accessing the Akashic Records, which is that basically a universal record of everything that's been said, thought, and done in universal subconscious mind. And this went on, he did this for 50 years, and he did over like 17,000 or something, like just thousands and thousands of, of these, what he called readings, that people use them for their health, welfare, and benefit. And so he's, their their headquarters is in Virginia Beach, Virginia, which I stopped in and saw and took the tour and listened to their speeches and lectures and everything, and that was fascinating. I have been conducting, as School of Metaphysics actually has been ha- done, um, like close to over 100,000 past life and health readings for over 40 years. Um, so kind of carrying, uh, um, offering those to people all over the world. People send us requests. We, we do the reading, or we call them like a health analysis or a past life intuitive reports is what we call them. We record on a, a CD if they're not present. Most people aren't present. And then we send it back to them and give them back in two or three weeks. And, and these are so accurate that we've just been doing them, like as I said, tens of thousands of them for 40 years. And people write us from all over the world. It's been a part of my service, and I, I think it's been very it's been very fulfilling for me. And, you know, karmically, it's, it's really good because I've been able to help all these people and train other people to do the intuitive reporters. We do it as a team, a conductor and intuitive reporter. And... Uh, it, it sometimes that people get answers to questions that they haven't been able to get answers to any other place. So um, it, it's just part of the service we do, and um, it helps promote what are the ideal of the school of metaphysics, which is to aid any individual to be a whole functioning self, because that's what they're about—holistic or whole, complete. Right. 
So they, um, the, the, these readings will be done, um, they're called intuitive reports on yeah. health analyses, past life profiles, and past life crossings. Yeah. Um, all of this will be offered on Sunday, September 29th, and this will be at the School of Metaphysics uh, in Maplewood. Their phone number is 314-645-0036 uh, if you want more information or to schedule your session. And then you can find information online at www. SOM.org. And, right. you know, you've been, you've been doing this for over 40 years. I mean, I just had no idea there were the, that, that many reports that had been done, but I, I knew that this was a big part of the School of Metaphysics work, you yeah. know, these reports. Right. Casey could do one, uh, about one a day, I believe, maybe two, but usually one a day. And we, we've developed a process where we can do up to seven in a session. And so, um, Sometimes we can do we do two or three sessions in a day, but usually usually it's about two or three sessions per week we do at the headquarters. But that adds up because there's seven in a session, so we may be doing 14 or more per week and just sending them out. Sometimes we do more than that, so um, it adds up to a lot over a year. You know, a lot of intuitive reports. Uh, I don't usually travel doing these, but I was up in the Chicago area and we've got three centers up there in Bolingbroke, Palatine, and Chicago, and we did. Uh, three sets, which is 21 of them, every each day in each of those schools. Plus, we went over to the Unity Church, and the ARE group that is also is housed in the Unity Church there, um, up uh, in one suburb of Chicago. I think it was Arlington Heights. Um, asked us there. I did a presentation, a talk, a teaching, and then we did into reports, and and uh, um, uh, that was well received too. So. Uh, yeah, people are all, uh, even by the Casey people that were up there and the Unity people. So, yeah, we have people walk, from all walks of life uh, right. right to us every day. It's it's all changed with the Internet. Everything has changed, you know, like, right. you know, it used to be that you'd have to send away for a report from the ARE, and then they would have to go to the library, find that particular, where it was stored, sealed. Right. They would mail you the reports, then you'd have three weeks, and then you'd have to, and this was if you remember, then you could mail, you'd have to mail it back, and, you know, now it's my understanding that they have computerized all that. It's like, you well, know, it's so, yeah. it's so different, but, you know, this right. is technology. You can buy the whole set. When I was in there, right in their bookstore, you know, they've got it either on MP3 or CD or something where you can just buy, and it's got every intuitive report, every every reading they did. That's just amazing. Kind of amazing. <laughs> it is. It's just you know. I mean, Edgar Casey is probably you know. I mean, who would have ever thought? You know, this this man from Hopkinsville, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. You know, who just you know. I mean, and the, and the complete medical diagnosis didn't come out of his trance state, and you know, he wouldn't remember what he said because it was all done in trance. So, and that's you the know. same way in the School of Metaphysics. The intuitive reporters don't remember a single word they say after it's done. It's it's the same. In in that way, it's the same. And in fact, Casey, one of the things he said was at first there will be few, meaning like him, do what he did, and then there will be many. So the School of Metaphysics has helped to bring about actual the fulfillment of his prophecy in that regard. It's beautiful, just beautiful. Well, I want to move now to the work that you're bringing to St. Louis. And um, listeners, this this, uh, class is going to be at a very beautiful place. It's at the Mercy Center, which has a labyrinth that was at one time a uh, a convent for the nuns. And there's still the nun energy. There's... um, you know, the grounds are just exquisite. You can, you know, there are meditation rooms. You know, it's just a very beautiful place to hold a seminar. And the seminar that is coming is Still Mind, Present Moment, Open Heart. And 
there will be a lot of uh, knowledge to help you live a more fulfilling life. And uh, Dr. Condren will be teaching you how to be grounded and remain true to yourself in any situation so there's more, no more of the high drama, chaos, I don't know what to do. It's like that stillness and quiet that will come, how to be grounded, how um, he's going to teach uh, developing an open-eyed meditation practice, um, how to gain control of your thoughts to tap into your own personal power, expand love to foster a deeper connection with yourself and others, and identify the thoughts that lead to healing. This is the tip of the iceberg. So, Dr. Condren, when we talk about the still mind, um, I know this is a technique that you have developed through all of your work, and you talk about concentration, etc. So, what exactly is the still mind, and why is it so important to develop this? Yeah, I mean, the still mind, well, to answer your question, why is the still mind important? because it relieves stress, and it uh, stops people from worrying about the future or feeling guilty about the past or being angry or hateful about something that done way they were treated or done wrong in the past or being jealous about someone. or uh, All those negative or limiting thoughts are gone in the still mind. They're just not there because there is no thought in the still mind. It's just uh, fully being at peace with the present. And then what happens is, in the still mind, one discovers the present moment because one's not thinking about memory thoughts from the past and one's not extrapolating those memory thoughts into a fantasized or imagined future. So we're not worrying about the future that hasn't even arrived yet. So one, all of a sudden, with the still mind, one becomes in, moves into the present moment. If the mind is completely still, one moves fully into the present moment. And then, in that thought-free state, one can relax. One can be present. One see begins to see and perceive the true reality in the present moment in order to receive that true reality in the present moment one's heart starts to open now you could say physical heart but it's not according to physical obviously it's not the physical heart but the heart does open or the heart chakra or the heart center opens just like um, if you're hugging someone that you love uh, and your heart opens or if, uh, a mother to a baby where their, their heart opens to love we talk about uh, loving a person and feeling that love and experiencing that love. Well, in the in the still mind, the present moment, that heart opens to that type of love, even on a, a universal scale, uh, a, an expansive scale, an ability to love all humanity, ability to care more deeply about more people. The, the fear is removed. Fear is what closes off the heart to life, and love opens the heart to life. Part of what people get in meditation when they meditate every day is that they open to life. A lot of people, I would better say most people in one way or another, maybe all people in one way or another, unless they're fully enlightened, have closed off to some degree to life because of pain and suffering, slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, hurts or imagined hurts in the past. And so there's there's a fear or a trying to protect itself. Well, this this day-long teaching is, is a, will teach people how to discipline the mind for the purpose of opening the self up to all of creation, all of mind, all of uh, self, to know the self and uh, and to be more the real self throughout the day of their life. We've had people from this session say, my life's changed forever, my life's transformed, this changed my life. And we've had people that come, I hold it every six months in a different city, and we've had people that come every, to every one every six months because they get so much out of it. So that's I can the idea. that. Yeah. No. I, I want to tell you how this came about. Um uh, after many years of discipline, service, and teaching with all those exercises and meditation and everything, uh, I had a breakthrough experience with pranayama and um, um, where 
I breathed through in a period of five days and opened up all seven chakras. And that led to a lot of, of amazing things in myself that took about seven years to process. That was in the year 2000. But from that, about two or three years later, I was able to achieve not just concentration, but the still mind at will and hold it as still as long as I wanted. Then in the process of, the, of practicing that, after a while I got to where that was my natural state, was a still mind. And so it was a funny thing that happened, interesting. After my mind became into this still mind state, I started being more in the present moment. And that then I started seeing reality different than I ever had before. And so now I kind of exist that way. I, I, have, I still have my memories about the past. I still have my thoughts about the future. But a lot of my experience is just whatever is there in the present moment. So what I'm teaching is from my direct experience, and I'm giving the people the benefit of years and years and years of this experience. I, at one time, I was practice, I would practice meditation for an hour or more every day. I'd practice a, a 30 or 45-minute concentration exercise. I'd practice a 30 or 45-minute visualization exercise. I'd write my dreams down. I'd practice 15, 20 minutes or more of pranayama. And then I'd teach classes in metaphysics. And I'd do that day after day after day. And then that led to this chakras experience and this opening up uh, that um, completely transformed me in my life, that I, I consider this to be a world teaching. Uh, one other thing I'd like to say about this, I did write a book called Still Mind, Present Moment, Open Heart, and all my other previous books had been two, 300 pages and a lot of words, and then all of a sudden, after this ha these opening up happened, I started uh, just writing things coming from on high, and I'd write these little books that would have like one word per page or two or three or a sentence per page that was just very succinct, super conscious downloads. And so for for the person that's unaware, they look like, what's this book? It's just kind of a few words on a page. Is this poetry or this is ridiculous? But for those people that get it, can see the deeper meaning of it, it's very simplified, powerful truths from super conscious mind on each page that transform the self, especially when read out loud. So that's that's I've read, written the gamut of books that have 300 pages and you know hundreds of words per page to having writing a book called the Emptiness Sutra with one word per page and and the Still Mind Present Moment Open Heart with with one sentence on a page and it's just from what level of mind superconscious subconscious conscious mind that that knowledge comes from because the higher the truth the simpler the truth. Yeah, it's like you know I remember studying with um, a teacher from India and he said there are three things in life truth. Simplicity and love. Oh, that and sounds like, like Babaji. It is Babaji. Woo, I should have known you know. But yes, I mean that's what he, he said. You know, that's really it. It all distills down to, you know, you living in. The, yeah, I, you, I not, were you at the Harakan Baba Ashram? No, but I have been there. You know, astral travel. I mean, I've been. Okay. I've, I've been to the Harakan oh, Baba Ashram. It's on my list. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been to India three times, and. Yeah. Uh, the first time there, um, I uh, breathed through my 8th, ninth, and 10th chakras and experienced heaven, and I had a Babaji initiation, Kundalini initiation, uh, and the person that gave that to me through Babaji said uh, afterwards, and I sat there for an hour, and just sweat broke out on my hands, and, I, and it was in an air-conditioned room, so there was nothing to do with the temperature. No. And afterwards, she, when she brought the Kundalini down, she said, I've never given that high initiation before, but Babaji told me to give it to you because you've been meditating for 30 years. Right, you were so and, ready. Uh, and that was so. The first time I he was he uh, 
came to me when I breathed through my crown chakra. The second time in 2000, the year 2000. The second time in 2008 was what I just mentioned. The third time I went to India in 2011, I actually saw him in the Shivaratri, which is the celebration for Shiva, largest gathering of devotees in the world, yeah. uh, in southern India, and I actually saw him then. See, I, he's appeared to me, you know, at different times, and I've been just so blessed. I mean, you know, and I was at the the ashram in um, Crestone, Colorado, which is devoted to Babaji. And I remember I was in the in the little the temple that they had built, and the you know the Murchi was there, and you know I saw Lakshmi, all the different things. And I'm like, where is Ganesha? Why is Ganesha not here? I don't know why I kept hearing it, but I leaned back and I look up, and here is Ganesha straight up on the ceiling, like right above me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I got it. But you know, yep. Babaji, you know, um, you know, I'm a big believer in breath work and. I've studied, you know, with Sandra Ray, who's taken like 25 pilgrimages to that ashram, oh. you know, and, you know, honors Babaji and all things. And so, you know, he's appeared to me just, you know, normally in breathwork sessions where I'm at that, you know, where you can reach that still stillness. But, oh, my gosh, I can't, I, yeah, I mean, it's on okay, my then, you know, Sandra Ray, so you know, uh, Leonard Orr, who of worked course. with or taught or, or developed the, the practice that she's practicing, which is rebirthing. Right. And, um he came to, I, I got his book, uh, Breaking Death Habit, wrote him. He called me back on the phone said he wanted to come and visit the College of Metaphysics campus. He came here, introduced his rebirthing breathing, which is for going through the birth process again, right. through breathing and, and clearing up past traumas. But I'd, I'd advanced so far by then over 20, uh, you know, over 20 years of metaphysics that I didn't go through my birth because I'd already worked through anything I might have had. Instead, right. I way beyond all seven chakras in three sessions. After I breathed through my brow chakra, he said, I'd like you to breathe a little bit more. You have a unique opportunity here. I mean, he'd never seen anything like it. I breathe through more, and that's when I breathe through my crown chakra and experience bliss. Uh-huh. So that was Leonard Orr that introduced that yeah. type of breathing on the College of Metaphysics campus, and I traveled with him twice to India. That's oh, well, you know, stuff. I should have known. <laughs> you were with and the man that's when I went to the Harakon right. Baba Ashram, too. Right, yeah. right. Right, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, all of this lines up, and, and you know, you obviously... You know, I mean, this is an important lifetime for you. Look how much you're sharing with so many people, you know, and, you know, but but yeah, it's funny that you taught Leonard Orr. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, 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 he, that's how he is. I mean, he lives, breathes, and, you know, that's that's his story. And, you know, I've had the opportunity. Of, I brought Sandra Ray to St. Louis for 12 years every year because I always yeah. learn from her. But, um mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Well, let's let's get back to this workshop, and you know, and listeners, remember this show is archived. Tell everyone about it. Let them listen to it so they get you know what is happening here. So Dr. Condor brings all of that knowledge and information with him, and you know, he's teaching this wonderful workshop called Still Mind, Present Moment, Open Heart, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. in St. Louis. I want to mention the phone number to call for information: three one four six four five. 0036, and the email is maplewood at som.org, or you can visit www.som.org, and all the information, you know, is there. So Saturday is the workshop with Dr. Condren, and then on Sunday, the Intuitive Life Reports. So getting back to to this wonderful um, program that you have developed, um, you know, experiencing, you know, the open heart. And you've, you've found it from so many different angles, and then now you've put it into a process that can help so many people. So if someone's saying, okay, what what is the open heart, or do I have to have the still mind before I get there? How does this work? Well, the, I, I teach the, the day-long teaching in three movements. 
Uh, and the first I taught, I give, I just stand up and teach about um, the still mind, what it is. Sometimes I'll, I'll do an opening monologue or an opening teaching for over an hour, just to educate people, and then um, to get them acquainted with the process that they're going to be going through. Then I do a still mind meditation with them. I lead it through them. I lead them through it, and then uh, and then later on the day I. Uh, present about the, the the present moment and then i lead him through a present moment experience meditation and then in the latter part of the day i after presenting and discussing and explaining what the open heart is i lead him through an open heart teaching and and, and an open heart meditation so there's there's not just uh, there is talking quite a bit of talking and teaching by myself but there's also it's experiential that i i lead them through experiences of what i'm talking about so they have they have direct experience of of the subject that to uh, continue practicing with after the after the uh, sessions over after the day's over, so it's a full day learning experience. Um, and uh, um, Dr. Conrad, how do you see? Um, I mean, I, I can see so many ways, but let's hear it from the master. You know, with the hope for the world, and with the world more than ever needing hope. And, you know, we have this new new pope who's coming in, a maverick that's unlike any other pope we've had in Rome. And, you know, there's all these changes going on. But, you know, we know that there's just a lot right now where people need extra blessings. So how do you see um, the still mind present of an open heart offering hope to the rest of the world? Um. I know it's a long question. And <laughs> well, yeah, it's a long question, but let's make, let's make it simple. Um, all wars, and I think probably most, if not all, conflicts come from people uh, dwelling on past memory thoughts. I sometimes call them an imperfect memory of a partially remembered past. Uh, I read one time and heard that uh, there have been studies, scientific studies, that show that uh, most people think 90 to 95 percent the same thoughts they thought yesterday. The thoughts they think today are 90 to 95 percent the same thoughts they thought yesterday. And I thought about that. And then I remembered that it's also been said from studies that most people use only 5 to 10 percent of their brain or mind power. And I thought, well, of course, if you're not in the present moment and you're dwelling on just memory thoughts of stored in the brain, of course you're not using your mind power. If you if you're only using if you're five, if you're ninety to ninety five percent in the past, that in brain memories of the past each day, that leaves five to ten percent of the mind or the attention in the present moment. And so people most people only use five to ten percent of their mind power. Those two to go together. So the key is yes, mental discipline, concentration and meditation. But the key also then is from those that mental discipline to move into the present moment. Because if we're free of memory images stored in the physical brain, then we're, we have the attention free to be in the mental mind, which is beyond the physical brain. The brain is the physical organ of the physical body, like the heart, lungs, uh, liver. Of course, the mind takes in one's whole energy field, aura, one's whole consciousness, and the, the brain is a vehicle for the survival of the physical body in physical life. And the mind is a vehicle to know the self, so one has to move up from the brain, physical brain, to the mental mind in order to gain enlightenment. Mind is a vehicle to know the self. And so by being in the present moment, one frees all that attention of that's 90 to 95% in the past and brings it in the present where one can be in the mind and, and know the self. So this day, this still mind present moment, open heart teaching, 
is a day-long experience of being in the true reality, of being in the mind, of knowing the self. And it, it's an opportunity to do all of that in one day. That's, that's my hope. That's my teaching. Now, in, in regard to your question, um, why, why do we have wars on planet? Because people have memories of the past, getting hurt, injured when they were abused, when they were children, or they are afraid or whatever. Then they hold on to those fears, they grow up, and they keep projecting them onto others in the world. Therefore, they have to protect themselves. Therefore, when they come to positions of power, they've got to protect themselves against other countries. And same way with day-to-day life. People react to each other, fight each other, argue, get angry because of past memories that they're holding on to. So when, once one is freed of memories... What's left? Peace. Really, you know, right. if you look around your room you're in, you say, well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong here? Is there anything to be afraid of here? And you look around and you say, no, not really. That's not true for everyone everywhere, but 90, 95%, maybe 99% of the time that is true. So people imagine fears and fantasize about fears based on past experiences. Present moment, there is none of that. So therefore, it is the hope of the world being in the present moment where there can be peace, where there can be love, where there can be harmony. That's why I say, still my present moment, open heart, the hope of the world. You know, it's beautiful. I mean, you, you've, it's just beautiful the way, you know, you've, you've made this very simple. And, you know, I'm reminded of the words from the Course in Miracles teachings where, um, you know, we're never upset for the reason we think, and every upset is a setup. Anything that takes us off our course of peace, which is, Based on what you're talking about, this 90% of repetitive thoughts, you know, there we go, like n- not using that that power of the mind to to transcend, you know, to, to be in, which is what this moment is. You know, when we're living in this moment, there's none of that noise. For, it's like really being present. That's exactly right. And um, I watch people get ill and sick over time because they are, too many thoughts in the past. You can't live in the past. You can't a person can't live in a memory of the past. So therefore, they get uh, tend to get ill in the present moment or in the past, dwelling on past. So the more one can be in the present moment, it seems to me that that relieves worry and stress and these things, which gives the possibility of health or wholeness and healing, mental, emotional, and physical. I watch people. Uh, it seems to me, and they tell me, you know, in the school of metaphysics, when they do these exercises like meditation and so on, that they they overall they seem to be healthier. They seem to be mental, emotional, physical, or uh, college of metaphysics. And, of course, I'm not going to do a scientific study and say all that's true. It's just that's what I seem to observe is that people overall have a general sense of well-being uh, on all levels when they meditate every day, when they learn the meanings of their dreams, when they get more in the present moment, when they uh, still their minds, when they um, open the heart. you know, look at this way. Fear-based life is not very healthy. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, when I first came to breathwork, you know, I, I was a very analytical person working on my MBA. <laughs> when, I, yeah. when I was invited to this um, breathwork thing, and you know, and I thought, what are, you know, what are they talking about? I breathe all the time. I was also a nurse, you know, more scientific in my approach to life. But I yeah. also, you know, just knew that you know there were different things that transcended. So I'm like, okay, I'll try this never, ever dreaming the difference that the breathwork would make in my life. And I remember the first few weekends, I would hear the teacher say, Cindy, Cindy, get out of your head and go into your heart. And I I was like, what are they talking about? I mean, it was just, I thought I was, you know. And, And it wasn't until I really had the first 
heart-opening experience that I understood everything they were trying to say. But, you know, it was just it was just words. I just, you know, I was like, what are they talking about? I have this mind that loves to analyze everything. And by analyzing it, it wasn't allowing me to just be here for the good in the moment. Right. That's right. Analyzing it, analyzing things is of the physical brain. The physical brain will never bring peace, happiness, joy, true security, love. Sometimes if it's disciplined by the conscious mind, it can be a tool for that in the physical. But if it, uh, the mind, the brain can be a pretty good slave but or servant, but it, can, it is a terrible master. And, uh, and the mind has to be disciplined in order to direct the brain. So most people are letting their our brain be the master instead of the brain being the servant and directed by the mind. And that that causes problems. And and so the only solution of that is discipline of the mind so that the mind can be used as the tool it's designed to know the self. So I'm going to um, actually read a quote from you. And this, uh, by the way, there is a wonderful article by Dr. Condren. Um, it's uh, Actually, it was written by Debbie Hudson, but it's, you know, about the work. And this is what she says, being, you know, this report, re- He's quoting Dr. Condren. So being fully in the present moment is a pivotal point along the path to personal growth. The benefit of the present moment is that we can be who we really want to be and create what we really want in our lives right now in the present moment and find fulfillment in the present moment. And then Dr. Condren says another benefit, it opens our hearts up to greater and greater love, infinite love. Yeah. What good is life if there's no love in it? What good is life? I mean, if you can't find fulfillment, love, peace, joy, bliss, what good is it? So it's it's op- still in the mind, then from that moving in the present moment, and then from that opening the heart improves the quality of life for anyone, as far as I can see, as far as my experience tells me, and certainly right. for myself. So, so even if you are a high-achieving athlete, even if you've done this work, this workshop is going to give you tools to having an even more successful and personally satisfying, you know, career or life or, you know, I mean, the heart sutras, you know, you you already wrote a book on this topic, you've you've described this, you know, but, but, you know, sometimes people are like, I still don't get it. Well, guess what? You'll get it. (laughs) Yeah, I was a a three-sport athlete in high school. I was an all-conference basketball player. I led my high school the best record it ever had. It stood for many, many years afterwards, you know, I've done those things, um, and I've got the bachelor's and master's degrees from college and, and all that. So but when I finished my coursework from a master's degree, I was, when I went into my master's degree, I thought, well, maybe I'll go for a Ph.D. When I finished my coursework from my master's, I was so burned out, I walked out of my last class, the last semester, I walked over to the student union, outside the student union, and from on high, a voice came to me, booming voice, and said, I've learned everything I can learn here meaning University of Missouri. Right. I, and after that is when I went to Peru, South America, and had that out-of-body experience. But right after that, I walked across the, just across the street to the university library. I looked through it, walked down the aisles, hundreds of thousands of books, I suppose, and I pulled one little book out, and it was on numerology. I took it home, read it, found out what my name meant in, according to numbers, my birthday and everything, and I thought, Wow, I've been studying five years at this University of Missouri and never found anything out about myself, including psychology. And here it is, one little book I read in one night that tells me something about myself. That's what I want to learn. That's what I want to know, myself. 
and that led me that was that just led me onto the path for everything else from then has been self discovery and and self awareness and self understanding and self enlightenment and leading other people or aiding other people to do the same thing and that makes life fulfilling in a way that a job will not do because companies are set up to make money or they're not in business so that has to be their primary objective or they're not in business and the organization that I've, I am with that's not the that's not the objective it's a not for profit so I've been able to work the ideal of the school of metaphysics is to aid any individual be whole functioning self so I've been able to work with that ideal through the organization to fulfill my life's purpose and it's and it's served me well well, and you've done this for over 40 years, helping, guiding, leading others. And, you know, the numerology, it's funny, you know, that you brought that up. I had my first numerology experience in Virginia Beach when I was attending. Um, you know, I just drove from St. Louis to the Edgar Hasey Institute. I, I just was making a lot of changes in my life, had just kind of like a lot of drama. And so I packed myself up, you know, drove my little car to Virginia Beach and was staying at one of the homes from the, um, you know, the people from the ARE open their homes. You can stay for $15 in a night and you're staying with people of like mind. And I'll never forget, we were out on the porch one night and this guy was doing these, you know, numerology reports and he did mine and he said, he said, this just doesn't fit who you are. And I said, well, you know, I don't know. And he said, are you sure this is the name you had since birth? I said, you know what? I forgot. My stepfather adopted me, and my name changed when I was six years old. And he says, well, what was your birth name? And so he did the numerology on the birth name, and the numbers totally lined up. He's like, okay, this is who you are. <laughs> this is who you are. I mean, it, it, there's that much of a vibration in a name. And right. We, we're the same way with our intuitive reports, past life and health. Um, for people that uh, have been adopted, we ask them for their birth name. Unless they've been married, then we'll let the woman use her most recent married name. But other than that, we want the name that they were given that's on their birth certificate. And uh, it's the same way. I mean, it's it, it's helpful, but it's it's just accurate if we use their birth name. Same re- reason as that guy said numerology. And the reason why is the soul, that's the real self, that chooses to incarnate in a physical body, chooses their name and their time of birth. Uh, and so... It's what they want for the celestial influences and the vibration of the name and everything. That's why it works that way. Mm-hmm. I know. I was born at 2.51 a.m., and I'll tell you, if I, I'm still raising my last um, child who's 15, and, you know, because of that, you know, there's like certain, you don't, you just don't stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning. But, but my natural yeah. inclination is I'm wide awake a lot of times. It's like it's right around 2.51 in the morning I'll be awake, and, you know, I'll just read a book or something. I don't fight it any longer. I just, you know, because I used to be like, you've got to go to sleep. And now it's like, oh, please, you know. I'll, I'll meditate if I'm tired tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's a whole different attitude. But, right. Dr. Condren, you just have so much knowledge. Thank you. I do. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I've had that focus. You know, if a person works at a company, an oil company, they get information about oil companies. If a person works 20, 30 years at a bank, they got information about a bank. If they work for wherever people put in eight hours a day which is basically the full day by the time they drive back and forth to work five days a week and sometimes now with cell phones they're getting called all the time so that's where their attention is well fortunately or because i've chosen my attention has for all these years instead of been on a project that makes money for a company my pro- my attention has been on soul growth and spiritual development enlightenment and helping other people do that so it's led to all these awarenesses and being able to discuss all these these um different aspects of self and uh, knowing self 
I wrote a book called The Purpose of Life, and uh, that's all about helping to know their purpose in life. I wrote a book called, you mentioned The Course in Miracles, I've written a book called Universal Healing Truths. That's also a universal healing truth for the whole self, for one for each day for the year, 365 days a year. I teach a class in that, and people study that for a whole year, Universal Healing Truths. So it's an it's a eclectic, a, a well-rounded, but it's all based on the idea of self and knowing yourself. Which you have to be still to know yourself. I mean, when you're just, like, running crazy, you know, with, you know, I, I'll never forget hearing this, I dig in the ditch to make it the money to buy the food to give me the strength to dig in the ditch. Oh, <laughs> right. it's like this loop, you know, and, yeah, you know, so, right. so so here we are, you know, you know, learning to be still, learning to be present, and learning to open our heart, and still, <laughs> like, you know, what's amazing, I find, and I'm sure you, you, you are the same way, like, you're just more efficient with everything in your life when you're more present with life and you know some of the busiest people you think how do they get all that accomplished how in the world but in most cases they're working with their physical mind you know physical body rather they're working with their mind they're working with their emotions and they're they're on top of their game you know like on some level there's a surrendering and being present you know or or, or you can't accomplish all that you know and you know that quiet strength you know that that comes from quieting that mind and being in the moment so um listeners uh this this workshop is on september 28th there is an early bird price for the whole day, $100 uh, before September 1st. The price does go up after that to 125 after September 1st. And um, there is a wonderful lunch served, you know, in this Mercy Retreat Center. Just I've been there several times. I actually did my feng shui certification there, and it's just absolutely beautiful. It's on these beautiful grounds, and you feel the vibration of the meditation and prayers that have been done there. The food is prepared with love, um, and so know that vegetarian uh, food is available as well. Um, the phone number, once again, to register is 314-645-0036. You can email maplewood at som.org or visit www.som.org. And I want to uh, thank everyone for listening to the show. There's several ways that you can support this show that is brought to you each and every week, you know, from the magazine and all the different people who do send contributions to us, thanking us for the show. Um, but, but what helps with the blog talk um, folks up above, shall we say, who watch these shows, and because so many of you have liked the show, we are now a featured show, which, you know, blog talk features it and helps promote it. And so it helps us if you would like the show. Um, and also if you will send an email email to info at spiritseeker.com. We will add you to our sacrosanct email list. We do not sell our list to anyone. It is strictly Spirit Seeker. We do, of course, promote events that are, you know, part of, you know, Spirit Seekers, you know, oh my, look at this, what's happening. And, you know, so we allow people to promote their events on our email list. But then, of course, that's a benefit to you. You find out about the radio show. You find out when the magazine is uploaded online. Our younger readership is almost all online readership. And, you know, we're just so grateful for the Internet and all that it brings. The other thing that we are adding to encourage you to send that email to info at spiritseeker.com is once a month I will be offering a free reading to one of the um, people who have sent in a, uh, and, uh, you know, being added to the email list. So that's some lucky person each month will um, receive that. Okay, so Dr. Condren, I just cannot thank you enough. You, you're just doing great work and helping so many. And, you know, I am out of town that weekend, but if something changes, I will be, I will be there. But know that I'm there in spirit because I, I just, you know, have held you in the highest esteem and I had no idea about the Babaji connection. <laughs> yeah, 
I should have known. Yeah, yeah. It was a process of earning it and studying and teaching metaphysics for over 20 years before I had those experiences with Babaji, and it was just, uh, it was time, and uh, it happened. And so, yeah, you and I are very, (laughs) have a strong connection that came came this way together, and here we are. Uh, So I hope you can make it. If not, I hope we can do many more things together in the future. And people who listen to this radio show and would like to uh, have me come do a presentation, you know, to the business or a group or whatever, you know, they can contact the School of Metaphysics in the way you just mentioned and get online. So uh, I'm, I'm here to serve the world. That's what I'm here about. Well, we're very grateful. Okay, so listeners, thank you. Be sure and, you know, let people know about this interview. And, you know, it's, it will be archived and you can listen to it. We know people are listening because we get the stats. So thank you so much. And, Dr. Conrad, thank you. Thank All right. You very much. Have a wonderful Please evening, everyone. Tomorrow. Okay, thank you. All right, Thanks. bye. Bye. Amen. Mm-hmm.